0: you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
1: Adi Depot here. Thanks as always for downloading Final Extra. A quick announcement for those of you who listen to us regularly. Until the end of May, we will no longer be releasing new episodes on Tuesdays. Myself and Gareth will now be with you on Wednesdays instead up until the end of May. If you want to catch up on air, we're in the new slot of 1 p.m. on Wednesday afternoons on TalkSport 2. Otherwise, we'll be in the same place as usual on Fight Night podcast channel alongside all our great other boxing content.
2: This is Fight Night Extra on TalkSport 2.
1: If you love your boxing and your MMA, then this is the show for you, Fight Night Extra, with myself, Adi Adipo, and the great Gareth A. Davis. Today... We're looking back on a very underwhelming debut for Joshua Boazzi, who labored to a win over Pavel Stepien in his first fight since becoming a boxer fighter. We are going to hear from Boazzi himself, who admitted to us after he wanted to deliver a knockout on the big night, but was happy nonetheless to go the full distance. We'll discuss who should be next for the undefeated light heavyweight. Elsewhere, it was a night to remember for Canelo Alvarez in Guadalajara, Mexico. He returned to his hometown for the first time since 2011 to defeat John Ryder, by unanimous decision. It it now looks like it's set up for Canelo to try and avenge his defeat to Dimitri Bibble. The only sticking point left is what weight the rematch will take place at, 168 or 175. Joe Joyce has activated his rematch clause with Julie Zhang after suffering defeat to him last month. We're going to discuss if he had any other option and just how detrimental a second defeat to Zhang will be for his career. And we're going to hear from KSI head of his fight with Joe Fournier this weekend live on TalkSport. All right, loads to get through. Let's do it. This is Final Extra on TalkSport 2. Tonight, Joshua
3: Boazze must catch up. A win isn't good enough. We need a statement. Is he what we believe he in to be?
2: He needs to let them know that, listen, I'm the number one Brit out there. That's what he said he's going to do. I'm expecting something quite special, actually. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your main event of the evening. And now Boazzi does step into range and tries to throw a right hand. Step hand and just pats his gloves together as much as to say, come on, is that all you've got? Let's see a bit more. This is all about Joshua Guatzi making a statement here. He's been touted as a hot prospect for so long but seven years after Rio Olympics, it's time now to really start to deliver. I think Guatzi there was surprised at maybe the power of Stepien, and he needs to turn this around a little bit here. I'm in Stepien's corner right now, I just said, this guy's gone. Steal the last two rounds. You might come away with something here, pal. Is this a breakthrough here for Joshua Boazzi, who's decided to put his foot on the gas? Boazzi going through the gears, doing what he should have done rounds ago. Last scoring punch of the fight comes from Stepien. The two men embrace Plenty of questions about Joshua Boazzi after that performance. Declaring your winner by unanimous decision. It's still undefeated. Joshua Boatse!
1: Gareth, how are you, sir? Um, someone told me that on your way, <laughs> on your way to go and watch Joshua Boatse, Pavel Steppen, obviously working for Talk Sport, as you always do, the great job you do at ringside. You didn't quite make it there. Now, I don't know if this is true because I'm like, no, no, Gareth's the professional. He'll get there. He'll find a
3: way to get there. What happened? Well, weirdly, I set off to Birmingham, where it was, of course, at the World Resorts Arena at the NEC, about two or three in the afternoon. It was supposed to be a two-hour drive, according to Waze. And an hour into the journey, I had this clunking underneath my 4x4. I had my bicycle on the back, on its stand as well because I was going to do a bit of riding around on my bike on Sunday morning before heading up to see Joshua Boatzi for an ESPN pro um sorry for Josh Taylor for for a uh, an ESPN program I was filming last night uh, or or Sunday night rather in Liverpool so I was going to have a nice little ride around the NEC clunk 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 it was sheeting with rain <laughs> sheeting down it's right for you. You were in Miami, <laughs> sitting in the sunshine, putting the doing the guns on yes, the beach. I was. Yes, showing I was. off on the beach, doing top your weights, doing abs. Of course you were. Yeah. Well, I was top off, soaking wet, thinking my tyres were deflated. Pumped up the tyres, got soaking wet, drove round another roundabout off the services, wherever it was. Not for not nuts for, It was one of those big service stations, and uh, called the guy out. RAC came out, or the, the green flag came out, looked at my car, jacked it up. I thought, I'll get there. I contacted Ed Huntley, the producer. I said, look, I'll get there. I sent him a picture of the big pickup truck and my car. And he went, there's a bike on the back. You can cycle here. Is that what Ed said? Ed said you can that cycle. That is what Ed Huntley said. It was 6 p.m. Yeah. Oh, no, it was, it was 5.30 p.m. at the time. He said, get on your bike. You'll be here by the time we go on air at 7 it was about 43 miles away. I'm telling you now, you know how much cycling I do. Mm-hmm. If it had been a sunny day. Have done it. You could have done it. I would have cycled there and I'd have got there probably by about eight, an hour into the broadcast. Yeah. And I promised you I would have done it. So unfortunately, but you didn't make it and it was a U-turn back home. Back home in time to watch Lauren Price, who looked fabulous. First British female champion. Yeah, the, yes, exactly. And uh, Joshua Boazzi okay. in the main against Pavel Stepien.
1: Yeah, um, I don't know whether to commiserate you or congratulate you for getting home on time. Let's commiserate you for watching Boazzi Stepien, which I heard wasn't the best. Um. I've watched the highlights. I've not watched the full thing. I don't know if I want to put myself through watching the full thing. But for Boazzi's first fight on Boxer, I think we all wanted maybe a better performance. And look, Stepien could be... Just that guy that's a bit tricky for him, but we all wanted maybe a knockout to be explosive. We haven't seen him for over a year, around the year, the Craig Richards fight. We
3: needed a bit more, didn't we, from Boetsy? Definitely. And, you know, they gave him the big Salon Sky last week. There was the in-depth look inside his life, the gym. He talked it up a little bit more. He had a beautiful cut, as he always does. Mm. He looked fantastic. His jib, the cut of his jib is always amazing. He's a wonderful human being, Joshua um always had a lot of fondness for him he's a very deep person a very deep thinker very but he needs religious. to stop thinking very deep. religious very very mm. spiritual man but he needs to stop doing that i know he flicks the switch and we see the eye of the tiger he's a very tough human being but i want to see the killer instinct more i've got to say i was underwhelmed by the perfor- performance Pavel Stepien realised within six minutes of that fight, he was two levels below Joshua Boazzi. He went into an unusual defensive mode. The link-up of Virgil Hunter and Joshua Boazzi I find fascinating. Virgil doesn't rush anything. He's a naturally cautious man, and I think he's bringing caution out in Joshua. Joshua's been away, Joshua Buatzi been away for a year. There was a bit of ring rust. But he gave himself five out of ten for that performance. And and that's what I respect about him. But we need statement performances from him. Pavel Stepien was just trying to survive in the end. My biggest disappointment in Joshua Boetsy on Saturday night was he didn't open Stepien up. Mm. What he could have done was there was no head movement, no fainting. Mm. It was just straightforward. I'm going to come and I'm going to hit you with my jab, which was fantastic. You look back on that fight. How much fainting was there from him in ten rounds? Yeah, hardly yeah. any, and it wasn't picked up on commentary. I'm not into. I'm not criticizing anyone, but he didn't do the things to open up his opponent for that magnificent stoppage that we needed. Yeah, and that's five the, out of ten. That's how I
1: saw it. Yeah, no, and and that's what the the very good elite level fighters do, don't they? They they adjust. If you're going to have someone difficult that's going to be defensive, then you try and do something a bit different. As you say, maybe that double step, the feint, you do something different. You mentioned Virgil Hunter there, and look, Virgil Hunter's a fantastic trainer. Obviously, the Andre Ward link-up is what really kind of sets him apart from other trainers. But do you think it's a good link-up, though? Because I look at someone like Callum Smith and Buddy McGirt, and I can already see in Callum Smith a much more aggressive. So I can see the the change straight away um, as, you know, a lot different from when Callum was with Joe Gallagher. Are you seeing the changes you want from
3: this link up with, Bud, sorry, with, with Virgil Hunter and, and Joshua Buatsi already? It's a very complex thing to talk about this, and I I, I know Virgil really well. I've been mm. to his gym so many times in Oakland. It's on the end of an industrial estate by the river, across the the water from San Francisco. And I have so much respect for Virgil Hunter. He used to get involved in in Smokies back in the day, fights in the back of bar rooms wow. when he was growing up. His mother was a Black Panther activist. His father was a musician. I know a lot about Virgil. He's a man steeped in African-American culture. Mm. He's a very cultured, a very urbane human being, someone who I respect deeply. When he brought Andre Ward through from the age of nine, who had um, an Irish-American dad, who was a heavyweight, remember, and an African-American mother, he had a kid with sublime boxing skills who was very tough, also from Oakland. Mm. I've been to his favourite um, breakfast place with, with Andre. He's got a great movie out on his life, by the way, on Showtime at the moment, Son of God. And I was privileged to, to be asked to talk in that movie about him. I was about three and a half stone heavy at the time. So it's, it's this big, fat version of Gareth in, in that movie. But he, what he had in Andre Ward was a guy who had a style that was able to... He didn't have a style, Andre. He could pick anyone else's style yes, apart. Yes. He was the ultimate adapter. And I think he was pound for pound number one when he left the sport. But what I will say is this. What Virgil did for him was just preen and cultivate and groom that style to make him a great fighter. They never had to rush those two. Joshua Boazzi is in a little bit more of a hurry. Mm. And I know we'll come to it in the next section, but there's things I want to see from him against certain opponents coming up. He's got world-class qualities. Of that, there is no doubt. But we need the right matchups to see that combination work. Yeah, I mean,
1: Boazzi did an interview with Sky Sports, I think it was this morning, and I think there was a poll put out in terms of who do we want to see Boazzi fight next. I think Dan Aziz was in the pole, Bivol, Yard, and Yard topped the pole, Anthony Yard. Um, Is it a fight that just has to happen next? Like Frank and Benchalom get together, like they did for Joseph Parker, Joe Joyce, and whatever platform it's on, and I know Boxer are going to want it on their platform because they've just signed Bawatsi, but surely it's a fight that has to happen now. I I feel like Bawatsi needs it more than Yard because at least Yard's had the Kovalev and the Baturbia fights, whereas Bawatsi's not had it, but surely that's what you do next with It's not Dan Aziz, and this is not discrediting Dan Aziz. It's not that. It it isn't going to be Bivol. Surely you just give a big domestic showdown
3: next. I concur 100%, Eddie. Anthony Yard is the man. Mm. Anthony Yard is the man to match up with Joshua Boazzi. That is a fight. I think if I look at all the potential British matchups right now, that's the one. It is, isn't it? Because it will get the most out of Joshua Boetsy. Anthony Yard will not sit back. He will bring it against him. We've seen that, as he did against Artur Betabiev. That's where Yard is in his career. We will truly find out in those 12 rounds, if they go 12 rounds, who is the king of the light heavyweight division in the UK. Because I think both of them live with Callum Smith as well. Yeah. I don't know what's going to happen with Callum Smith and Artur Betabiev. Don't sit around, guys, and wait to see what happens in that fight first. Because Callum could maybe do a number on better BF. Had a lot taken, a lot of lumps taken out of him in that yard fight, but came back and he is a spectacular master. But what I'd say is, Joshua Boatzi, I think is world level. Yard is definitely world level. If if Boatzi can go 12 rounds with Yard, I think he can edge it. Last week I did a poll, or the column... The, the 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 case studies that Boxing News does, they ask a couple of questions in their panel, and I said Boatsy just eases just to a points victory just. over Yard over twelve rounds, but after that on Saturday night, I'm not sure. I think it's a pickem, and that's why I want to see it. Final one on Bwatsi. Um I've had my
1: sort of I won't say back and forth, but I've done a couple of videos on Boatzi. He's not been too happy with what I've said. Did you? Did you expect more from Joshua Boetsy after the 2016 Olympics? Like, was, was that one of the guys you looked at and thought, yep, world champion? Like, because we're, we're saying now pick em with yard. Whereas a few years ago, I've said Boetsy would beat yard. And, and now I'm not yeah. sure. I thought Boizzi, I yeah. actually thought Boetsy was above the British level, guys. Like, way above them. Like, when he went points with Richards, it kind of opened my eyes a bit. And Richards is a great fighter. But I thought
3: Boetsy was above this. Maybe I got it wrong. I don't oh. know. Well, you've got you've got to look at what Richards did against Bivol. Yeah, no,
1: you are correct. You are you,
3: correct. You've got to, and look who Bivol's beaten. You've got to look at the size of Richards. Every time I stand he's next massive, to him. He's massive, isn't man, he? He's like he's he's like a cruiserweight. It's unbelievable.
1: Exactly. Like when you look at him on TV, you don't really see it. Then you stand next to him, you're like, Wow, you're a big
3: guy. Yeah. He's a telescopic fighter. <laughs> <Yeah. boxer. laughs> yeah, he, he is. He's a lovely man as well. And he's threatening to beat me up over a round, you know. He wants to do a round with Does me. he don't do it. I won't do it. Only if I'm allowed to head kick and call a taxi straight <laughs> yeah. away. But he's a really big guy and Joshua Watsi handled him well. Yeah, yeah, good fight. Um, we've always said he's he's world level. He needs those big tests now. Forget fringe contenders like Pavel uh, and Fringe contenders we're done with. It's time to move now. And I think they know that. Mm. I think they know that and they've got to do it. Indeed. Uh, good wins. Well, I say good win. Easy. Routine win for Ben Whittaker.
1: On the weekend, looks like he will be on the undercard of the now rearranged Smith-Eubank uh, two-fight as well. So, um, look, we'll see what happens in the light of heavyweight division in the next 12, 18 months. We could be talking about Ben Whittaker fighting one of those guys. Who knows? All right, you're listening to Final Extra on TalkSport 2. Still to come, we are going to chat Joe Joyce and his decision to activate his rematch clause with Jili Zhang. We'll also hear from KSI, head of his fight with Joe Fournier on TalkSport this weekend. But up next, we're going to talk what next for Canelo after he saw off a very spirited John Ryder in Mexico over the weekend. Welcome back. You're listening to Final Extra on Talk Sport 2. Myself, Andy Oladipo, the great Garafe Davis. Uh, Canelo uh, got the, the victory on the weekend. Wasn't the best Canelo. There's so much to unpack with this one. I, I do want to start with one massive gripe, and that is the size of the ring. Um, yeah. Now, I know for a fact, they, they they listed it as 18 by 18, which was horrible. In, in fact, it shouldn't be there anyway. I know for a fact that ring was actually 16 by 16, which is the smallest. I mean, look, Gareth, you've been doing this way longer than I have. That's the smallest ring I've ever seen in my life. And I don't know how John accepted it. I'm, I'm guessing, you know, he got a nice stash of cash to get in the ring with him. But I mean, that ring was only in Mexico, that's what I will say, only in Mexico you're going to get away with a 16 by 16
3: ring for a world title fight. Si, solo in México, Jalisco, Guadalajara de México, a ring that size, 16 foot by 16. If it wasn't stacked for Canelo with 49,997 of his supporters in there, the only three that were there supporting yeah. uh, John Ryder were in his corner. Tony Sims, Connor ben. Uh, Kevin Mitchell and Connor Ben. Yeah. I don't know who else was there for him. I don't think it was anyone else there for him. But 49,997, trying to push the ring into a 12 by 12 yeah. at that point. It was one of those peculiar things because I got up and watched it live from home. Um, and I just thought straight away, oh, my God, that looks like four phone boxes, yeah. basically. It was... You know, there wasn't a lot of movement. But do you know what? John Ryder stood his ground. He did. He did. And he he stood his ground and his stock has risen. Mm. And no wonder he was calling out Gennady Golovkin afterwards. Yeah, even mean, though he couldn't yeah. breathe for 10 rounds. Incredible. And was dangerously spitting a lot of blood. It, it, so by much. The way. It, it, obviously, he yeah. broke his nose.
1: It was 5,000 feet above sea level. He said he was swallowing blood all the night like after sort of round three, round four. So for him to like keep going and go the distance with Canelo. I mean, it, again, in what was the smallest ring we've ever seen, like a kiddie's ring in your back garden. I mean, it only goes to show how tough John Ryder is. I, I want to focus on Canelo if we can, Gareth. Um, like, I, for me, the best Canelo I've seen in recent years is probably Golovkin 2, um, Danny Jacobs, and maybe that jump when he fought Kovalev, although that, that even that wasn't wasn't the best. But at least Golovkin 2. He's not that guy anymore. Like, I, I'm not going to say he's... he's you know, he's past his powers because I still think there's a great fighter in there, but he's definitely slipping a little bit from the guy that I remember seeing against Golovkin four years
3: ago. Listen, I saw his debut in Vegas mm. when he fought Miguel Cotto's brother. He was 18 then. Jeez. So I, I was live for his fight with um, Floyd Mayweather. I was, I'm was i forgetting the guy's name now, the, the Cuban, very skillful Lara. boxer Southport. um, Erislandi Erislandi Lara which was a very close fight Mm -hmm. as well by the way, I was live for that one Um, I've been live for a lot of his contests and live for Amir Khan Mm -hmm. when he was very explosive and dangerous, watching the fight back last week of his explosive destruction of Billy Joe soldiers even, that was only two years ago, just two years ago now you know, I do think he's slowed Mm. I don't know if he's sleeping in silk pajamas, but he's hitting that little white golf ball a lot and he's got down to eight handicap. Yeah. He's riding the horses out on the plane a lot and camping out. He's got children now, hasn't he? Yeah. He's his wife was in the dressing room after with the children, which yeah, I kinda I, like I think that. he's I think he's the only one of his six boxing brothers who's still going professionally now. He's obviously the youngest of all of them. Half a billion
1: in the bank as well
3: half a billion in the bank, 62 fights by the age of... Is he 30 or 32? 32. Just about. A long career. Turned pro at 16, remember. He's not got long left. Mm. Um, Altitude played a part, as did John Ryder's toughness. Of course. Because I think Canelo felt that after putting him down early, he was going to get the finish. But John was very, very resilient. There was power in Canelo's shots, but again, he wasn't fainting much and he was just throwing big shots. He was wearing John down. I don't I don't want to be too critical of him, because he is a modern legend. Of you course. could make a case for him being the pound for pound number one right now. Yeah, fighter of the decade, He's, all everything, all the yeah, accolades. All of those things. Yeah. Four weight world champion. And we do get very critical of of very skilled elite level fighters because we want more and we're greedy. There's a greediness in us to create poetry around them, to be inspired by them. And in many ways, the inspirational performance here came from Ryder, not Canelo. Mm. You know, there was a hubbub from those 49,997 people and three people screaming in the corner for John Ryder on Saturday night because people weren't getting bored, but they were going, Why hasn't he finished him here? Yeah. Why hasn't they wanted finished, blood, and they got blood. They got blood. blood. Those, they, got but they, blood wanted, but they didn't get. They didn't the get finish. the
1: decapitation they wanted. Yeah. They they exactly. wanted to see Ryder out cold, and you know, and 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 almost get excited for potentially a Benavides or a Bivol fight. I thought I think they walked away almost fearing the Bivol fight. Like, oh, I don't know. We want to see him versus Bivol anymore. Uh, maybe he is on the slide. Maybe their champion, as you say, he's been doing it since he was fifteen. Maybe every maybe it's just all, it's a long career. Like you mentioned, no one does 60 plus fights anymore in, in today's boxing. You look at them, and look at all of them. 30 fights, 20 something fights for a lot of these guys. The sparring, the silk pajamas, as you mentioned. Um, he was on Forbes' rich sportsman list. I think it was number four or five for 110 million last year. What's the want? The full weight world champion.
3: I just wonder what's the, what's the drive now? What's the want? We're no longer seeing that kind of arching move to the side where he throws that left hook to the, to the right hand of, of other fighters, the liver, mm. the liver shot that's kind of, like you say, not decapitated, but eviscerated, if you like, is the right word, yeah. his opponents. Yeah. And we're not seeing that so much anymore. He's hunting with the big right hand. I don't think he's got more than two or three fights left. Yeah, Bivol is a very tough ask. Bivol is a very upright, beautifully defensive, skilled fighter, as Canelo said afterwards. Same weight division, same fight, same conditions. I want to fight him again. David Benavidez for me is the fight. That's the That's the fing fight, right? That will get the f-ing soul of Canelo out there again. Yeah. You can explete. All those comments just there. But that's the fight I want to see. It's the fight I've wanted for two years. Benavidez will bring it. Take that home to Mexico because that will draw the best out of Canelo. No underdogs anymore. Let's make Canelo the underdog in his last two or three fights. Agreed. Take that Those two. The Azteca. Absolutely. Is it the
1: Azteca? The 100,000-seat estate? Yeah, get him there for Benavidez. Get him there. Blood. Agreed. I don't think... Decapitations. I, I agree. It's the one fight where... He almost needs to go into the ring with genuine fear. Exactly. He didn't have that against Ryder. He's, you know, he's walking in with his D&G, which look really good, pyjamas and his glasses. I'm like, there is no fear here. Benavidez adds a bit of fear to him. I don't want to see Bivol at 175. I mean, Canelo's yeah. small at 168. I don't want to see him up
3: against a, a big Bivol. Leave that alone. Benavidez, yeah. let's go. First, absolutely right. And I think that fight would be, that could really sell properly. That's the fight. You could do it at the Azteca, but you could do it in Las Vegas in the big September holiday fight. Yeah, honestly, um, you, know, anywhere. you could do it anywhere. Second did weekend you, of would, September. Would you,
1: um, was you up enough to see the entrance, the ring entrance by Canelo? I don't know if you saw oh, it. Oh, it was phenomenal. Oh, I'm so happy you just said that. Like, there's two schools of thought here. There's the old school Mike Tyson way, which I love. Just get to the ring, no messing about. You know, the Michael Spinks one is the one that springs to mind, where it looks like he's almost snaking through the crowd to get to the ring. I love that, but if you're gonna go big like Canelo did,
3: that's the biggest go big one I've ever seen. It was incredible. Yeah, it was. Look, when when there's something special, and remember, their Mexican's national sport, the mariachi bands. Their, their their national sport is fighting. Yeah, even more than soccer, even more than football. Yeah, yeah. and that football is huge there. When you think about it, right, more than thirty million Mexicans. Put down whatever they're doing when Canelo fights. He is the most followed boxer in the world. Mm-hmm. And we must never forget that. Indeed. This guy is an absolute superstar. He's the Tiger Woods of boxing. Yeah. He's the, the Lionel Messi of boxing. He's the Cristiano Ronaldo of boxing. Yes, Tyson Fury, Anthony Joshua, Deontay Wilder, Alexander Usyk are all huge because they're giant human beings. But this guy's the biggest star in boxing.
1: Yeah, we should we should cherish him because I I I agree with what you said. I think there's only two or three big fights left for Canelo, and then that's it. More golf for him after. All right, you're listening to Fun Extra on Talksport Two. Coming up, we are going to hear from KSI and chat the continued rise of influence of boxing. But up next, we're going to talk Joe Joyce versus Jili Zhang. Joe Joyce has activated his rematch clause to avenge his only defeat so far as a pro. Cry's
2: the air is just dripping with adrenaline. It's one of those nights where you have that whiff of cordite cool in your nostrils because there is
3: danger in the air. Zhang,
2: we're looking really dangerous here. Throws a left hand through the middle again. There, Joyce, gotta be careful. Followed by the left hand from Zhang, and he felt like he heard Joyce, and he's looking to follow up. And the reaction of the Chinese fighter showed you that he knew he. Joyce in trouble, and he absolutely has here. He's cleaned him out with a big straight left hand. If you made damage, yeah. you have to make yeah. the out Because he does one attack and then he put him back. In the fourth, big right hand there from Joyce. Tries to follow it up with a left
3: as Zhang. Took that one, fine. When he throws, he's landing. He's picking his shots very well. And he's blocking a lot of joe joyce's shots the eye just seems to be getting worse there's
2: that straight left hand from zhang that just pops through the middle of the guard and joyce biting down in his gum shield trying to grind it out pushing forward working well but silly zhang has got an air of confidence about it right hand two left hands three left hands and joyce again in trouble here he can't see those shots coming now. Close. Referee Howard Foster, who makes his own assessment, and he waves the fight over. And Zhilei Zhang is hoisted up by Shawn George's trainer. And the Zhang camp go absolutely wild. Your winner by way of technical knockout, and new WBO Interim Heavyweight Champion of the World.
1: Welcome back. You're listening to Viner Extra on TalkSport 2. Adi Oladipo, the great Gareth A. Davis. Uh, Joe Joyce has activated his rematch clause Um, against Gili Zhang. Remember, Joe Joyce suffered defeat to Gili Zhang April 15th. The copper box Uh, fight was waved off because of Joe Joyce's gruesome eye injury. Um, He's doing it again. He's rolling the dice. Uh, What do you make of it, Gareth? Is it the only decision, the right decision, or could he have gone another route?
3: Well, I think he could have gone another route, but all he's got to do second time around is avoid the left hand. That sounds easier said than done. Yes, it does. It closed his eye in six rounds, but the member of his management team, Adam Morley, rang me last night. I was actually off, but he left a voice message saying, we're we're reactivating or we're activating or um, the, the rematch clause. And I've said that from the beginning, it was the right thing to do. I remember having a long chat with his former manager, Sam Jones. Mm. And it's definitely the right thing to do. All is not lost. It's not like Zhang is the fastest, quickest fighter in the year in the world. Um, he's 40. He's just turned 40. It's a fight that Joe wasn't knocked out in. He simply had his right eye hit too much by power punches. Now, people have said he should retire. No so I don't agree with that. Yeah, I mean, Crazy. people like my mentor Colin Hart, who thinks he took too many punches, but, but the wool was pulled over Colin's eyes years ago by Muhammad Ali and his team and he said he still followed Ali when Ali should have stopped. Mm. I think as people get older they think that heavyweight shouldn't take damage and Joe shouldn't take too much damage. And what I'll say about Joe is I went to the George Foreman um, bio, biopic movie um, Red Carpet. Any about, good? A couple of Any weeks good ago. the movie? Oh, it's absolutely incredible. Okay. In fact, the whole interview with George is live on U- on Talk Sports YouTube channel. Nice. Uh t- Two parts. I had an amazing 35-minute interview with him. George is extraordinary. His extraordinary life. We're sitting there with Joe. We were marveling at Joe's life, uh, George Foreman's life, and then marveling at Joe's life. Mm. We had a few bevies, as you do. And Joe said he's definitely up for doing it again. That was a couple of weeks ago, and obviously they've made it official now. He's got to use head movement. He doesn't have time. any. He doesn't. I know he doesn't. How, how old is not, Joe? He's 36 coming up 37, but it, he's got foot. He can use his feet. Yeah. I, he I can will use just, his feet.
1: Watching that fight back again, like how, and you're right. I mean, look, Jili Zhang's not the fastest Southpaw, is he? I mean, he's not in there with a fleet-footed Alexander Usik. How he couldn't read that Southpaw left was, was mind-boggling for
3: me. I was like, surely he's going to start reading this now. Yeah, but Jili Zhang, what he does do, and I'm, I pointed out in the commentary that night, he creates angles for that left hand. Mm. And Joe allowed him. Joe was very static, came in in straight lines during the fight, which he's wont to do a lot, and wear his opponents down. But what he needs to do is just be a little bit more lateral. It's not difficult. He knows the movement. Yeah. He's done it all his career. Yeah. And be a little bit more lateral. And what Zhang was able to do <clears throat> was create angles with it for his left hand, scuttle around him. And create angles for that left hand 15, 20 times around. and in the end, John, Joe had no answer to it. He needs to be he needs to be more erudite this time. He needs to be more versatile. I think he can do it. He never got a foothold in the fight addy, and that was his problem. You... Zhang never let him. In fact, I don't know if you agree, but Zhang took the fifth round off. To have a good yeah. look where he could sneak that left hand in on the eyes still. Yeah, honestly. Zhang's, yeah. Look, Zhang's a smart fighter. I mean, you look at
1: his amateur record. I think people forget, like, this guy's won quite a lot of things as an amateur. So, he's, he's a lot better than maybe people think he is. And I thought he beat her. He's much. an
3: Olympic silver medalist. Then they
1: don't give those out for free. So, where do you think the fight takes place? Uh,
3: Zai Beijing. Really? You think it goes to China? Uh, listen, I'd love it to happen in Beijing. I think they'll come here because, sorry to throw in a bit of Chinese there. That's but... Um, I, I, I think I think they'll come here because, I, I don't know if you agree with me, but I thought Zhang made a lot of fans here yeah. in the week as well. People really liked him. I think they'll come back here. They could do it at the O2 Arena. There's a lot of jeopardy in the rematch. But, and you'll throw this at me, is there a possibility that Tyson Fury will fight Zhang and that Joyce will take step aside, money. Uh, let, well, let's
1: let's go there. I mean, again, look, I mean, I know you've got your ears to the ground when it comes to matters uh, concerning Mr. Tyson Fury. Bob Arum has said, and I think Frank Warren has kind of loosely mentioned it that it's an option, right? Zhang versus Fury in the summer. It's like it almost seems as though everyone's waiting to see about. Again, I hate repeating myself about this silly tournament <laughs> that's going to happen in in the winter in December. But um, if that doesn't happen, it doesn't look like Fury could go Zhang. Or we're hearing Fury Ruiz. I mean, I get kind of tired of talking about Fury at the moment and AJ and Wilder and Usyk, but let's talk about it because it is something that's been put out there by Bob Arum. Is that a possibility or is it just talk?
3: It's the horrible white elephant in the room, isn't it? As you say, Bob Arum has just kind of alluded in the last few hours that there were talks with Julie Zhang and Tyson Fury. Um... It depends how far down the road they are in these talks with Saudi Arabia late in the year, because Fury might decide to step aside himself, you know, and wait for the Usyk fight in December and just go into a big, long camp. He doesn't have to fight this summer, even though we hear that July 15 and July 22 have been reserved for him. Mm. Big money spinner. I think he beats Zhang handily. Oh, yeah. It's a hard yeah. fight, but he beats him handily. Or is it going to be Andy Ruiz? I think the ideal scenario for Frank Warren, Bob Arum, is Andy Ruiz facing uh, Tyson Fury and um, Gili Zhang facing yeah. Joe Joyce. And then they move on to those events in in Saudi Arabia. You know, I've spoken to Amir Abdullah as well, that there are talks ongoing. Mm-hmm. I don't buy Simon. Simon Scott is here to the ground as well. Simon Jordan of TalkSport. I don't buy it's Fury 90 million. No. Um, no. Uh, Usic 50 and the other two. No, 30 not, not million. at all. No, it's ridiculous. They right. won't buy that. It, it'll be closer. Yeah. And there's no okay. way Fury's worth 90 million. No way at all. Fight, right? You're overpaying. You don't. <laughs>
1: You don't need to pay that much for prediction.
3: Don't believe what they tell you in boxing. Believe
1: what you know. Yes, and I'm I'm certainly not believing that one. Uh, Obviously, look, that's a rematch that, um, and this uh, Joyce Zhang, that's a rematch that, look, we hope to see. Again, the first fight was exciting. Uh, Another rematch is Smith-Eubank. A slight delay in it. Are we knowing what it is? I'm hearing it's Smith that's injured. Uh, I think I saw a piece by Mike Coppinger saying that it, it could be the ankle. I'm not quite sure if that's the case or not. Do we know what the injury is with Smith?
3: Do you know, I wish I did know, I was with Stephen Smith on Sunday night at Rotunda ABC when I was doing the, I'm sure you've been up there near Everton. It is amazing, Jim, up there with Josh Taylor and Joe McNally uh, up there on the night filming a thing called Trash Talk uh, for ESPN, where we're all linked up on cameras. Man, it's explosive. Um, Two guys that really don't like each other, so they're fighting on June the... 10th, isn't it, mm. at the Hulu Theatre in Madison Square Garden? Brilliant fight, that, fight by the way. Should so be in the think. UK, but that's another conversation. Yeah, Stephen wasn't telling anything on the night, um, other than he's, he's he's coaching kids in schools at the moment. Stephen, obviously, one of the four boxing brothers. Yeah, I'm hearing Liam has a minor injury. I believe they've moved that fight now a couple of weeks. Okay, so it's, so the it's not of July. serious then, at all, then. That says it all. It's something. Yeah. Um, we're live on Talk Sport, remember. Um, that night, um, but I thought Chris Eubank Jr., master salesman that he is, did a great job of making that fight relevant. Still, he's perfect. you know, put he's clever at if doing that one just got knocked out, like he's not skipped a
1: beat. Like, you'd almost think that he no. would go into hiding. Like, it's almost like, did that knockout happen? What knockout? Nothing, not lost a beat. I don't think it's going to help him on the night, but. I mean, it's hard to it's hard push to find a more confident human being than Chris Eubank uh, Jr. But then again, I mean, his dad was exactly the same. All right, um, you are listening to an Extra on TalkSport 2. Next up, we're going to hear from KSI. He spoke with Gareth recently ahead of his fight with Joe Forney. Remember, that is live on TalkSport this Saturday. He is in, trouble,
2: He is all over the place. And this could be over. I'll prepare the way I always prepare for the fight and it's not really me who has to change
1: this time you know my results speak for itself it's Chris who needs to change if he beats me twice he's the better man I won't be able to live with that so I'm not going to let that happen <laughs> Aculli,
2: he's a story of believing that anything is possible that- Destructive. Oh, good of the up The uppercut again there from William Smith. Nice left hand as well, Huge oh, <laughs> Joshua Barazzi has come through the fight that was billed as the test of his career. And the referee waves his one over. And KSI has got the second win in the night. And he has been the professional boxer. And this is what this was all about.
4: I kind of want to just show everyone that I'm serious about this and that I'm going to knock people out. Wow, uh, huge, a
1: huge few weeks of boxing coming up here on TalkSport. Welcome back to Final Extra on TalkSport 2. Adi Oladipo, uh, the great Gareth a. Davis. This weekend it is KSI versus Joe Fournier. 27th of May, you heard it there. Cody versus Chris Binham-Smith Remember, the world title fight. That won WBO Cruiserweight title. Uh, June 10th, Adam Azim versus Aaron Fanyan. And then 1st of July, Liam Smith uh, versus Chris Eubank Jr. Big, big fight coming up on TalkSport. Uh, the action continues, as I mentioned, this weekend, live from Wembley Arena, a social media sensation. KSI takes on former professional boxer Joe Fournier. Let's hear from KSI now. He spoke
4: with Gareth recently to discuss what his plans are in boxing moving forward. I've always had the desire to win, to do better, to always improve, right? and just to always just push myself. I feel like just being on the same low is just boring. And just, you know, I could... I, there's so many, like, years ago, I could have just relaxed. You're it's addicted just, now, aren't you? That's just not me. Your body's addicted. Yeah, my body's And then that feeds ready. your mind, and then the mind yeah, feeds your body Yeah, again. So I'm just, yeah. I'm just ready at all times to always just be at the best I can be. And then even when I'm there, I'm like, there's more. I, you know, I have to go further beyond. <laughs> I have to figure out, like, how much more I can do with my body and you know, my mind and my soul and everything. So I, yeah, I just, I love pushing myself, man. And, you know, with boxing, it just, it keeps pushing me. And I feel like that's just awesome.
3: Are you still in the frame to want to fight Tommy Fury? Yes,
4: yes. Jake Paul? Yeah, with Jake Paul, bro, I, I, I'm kind of just bored of Jake Paul. Bored of point. calling him out? Well, yeah, man, like... Do you oh, think he's running oh, from why you? Why is he fighting Nate Diaz? Let's be honest. Why is he fighting Nate Diaz? He should, well, like, after me destroying Joe Fournier, should have been me and, me and him. Stadium. Simple as that. Stadium. 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 UK. Let's go UK, yeah, and it'd be huge. But instead, he's fighting Nate Diaz. Well, it's just boring. He's running back to an MMA fire who's boxing for the first time at 185. Mm. Please, man, snorfest. So I'm there like, you know what? Screw that. Take <laughs> Paul. We're just looking at the whole scene. And we just thought, you know, there's something here. It's just, at the moment, the scene is very messy. It's a bit all over the place. There's no, like, staple. There's no, like, thing that everyone goes to and goes, this is what influencer boxing is or crossover boxing is. So we were like, we're going to make that. KSI there, speaking uh, to the great
1: Gareth A. Davis. Um, I do wonder, with KSI, like, how how long he has left in the game. I mean, it's almost like it's Jake Paul, it's Tommy Fury, and then that's kind of it for him. Are you getting that sense that he's not here for the long run? He's only here for maybe a couple more fights, then he sort of passes the reins on to a Salt Pappy or someone.
3: (laughs) I don't think Salt Pappy, well, he might be in the Philippines, but he'll never be that Mm. which KSI is becoming a 41 million... Forty-one million, Addy, social media followers. I think thirty million of them are on YouTube crazy as subscribers. It? Crazy! It's crazy. I've known him a few years now. I've known him four or five years now. He's really grown, you know, on me and grown as a person. He, he, he touches a generation. He's very open about his mistakes and his failings. Um, to open your life like that to your public is quite an extraordinary thing. I think it brings challenges. And I think he's really got an addiction for training and fighting. Mm-hmm. And I, I was in the Shoot Fighters gym with the, with um, Alexis and Marios uh, Dimitriades the other day who trained Michael Venom Page and Norbert Naveny Jr. and others. They've trained James Haskell. Yeah through jiu-jitsu, into stand-up before the England um, rugby players, back row forward and, and Lions player. And James can do the flagpole at 19 and a half stone, remember. He's an extraordinary athlete. Um, and they told me last week that he has, if he'd started boxing, not when he was 26, but when he was about 15, they think he would have been a world champion. He's got all the physical skills. I was watching him switch between southpaw and orthodox. I know people can look amazing on the pads. I mean, you looked amazing on the pads the other day in the Anthony yeah, Joshua. They edited that very well. Yeah, no, but you know, you were throwing uh, one, two, four, yeah. two, three, yeah, four. I Thank you. You were doing. No, you look good. We were all thinking, let's deck under the big guns of Adia on the depot. We're not going to let him land on us. <laughs> you struggled with. You struggled with the fifty medicine balls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, that looked very heavy, Beautiful. and they cut to, Oh, Addy's done two, yeah. um, and, and and Joshua walked over and went, "How many did you do?" And you went fifty, and I suspect it was about five, it was about four. Five. But the it was, it was four. <laughs> but you could. But they these guys obviously they're going to talk him up the Dimitriades brothers. But watching KSI's transformation, I, I'm quite amazed by it, and I think. Louis Theroux told me the same thing about him. Louis made this documentary about him. It's out there. He's doing more on him. Louis is making a documentary about Anthony Joshua at the moment. That'll be fascinating. He said it's frightening when you watch KSI getting involved. He's a driven generation. His mum and dad didn't want him to play games. You know that generation. He's a well-brought-up African British African kid. Hundred percent. I know it. Mum and Dad want him to be a brain surgeon, or a doctor, doctor
1: or a lawyer. There's nothing else.
3: Or a lawyer, but instead he played games, Mm. and now he's found himself in the ring. And Mum and Dad are really enjoying it. All his brothers boxing. He's boxing for millions of quid. He even told me, "Forget about Mayweather. I make more money than he does. So it's about me, not him." So. He's an extraordinary guy. Everything he touches turns to gold. Look at that prime drink. Look at the, the partnerships with Logan Paul over the prime drink. What's, where's the prime drink now? Sponsors with the UFC. It's, it's all... It's crazy, is it? They're so clever. Yeah. So I can't doubt this guy. I think he knocks out Joe Fournier. In spite of the fact he's 10-0 and 0 as a boxer, nine knockouts, one no contest... He be beaten by David Hay, of course, wasn't he in the exhibition bout? But I just think KSI has got no fear. He's just going to go in there, let his hands go at Joe Fournier, who's ten years older, and, and the whole place is going to erupt and go crazy. Can't wait to be there. And honestly, it's like if
1: you've never been to a KSI fight, please go to a KSI fight. They're, they're incredible spectacles. Gareth, as always, man, appreciate it. Thank you very much. Don't forget this Saturday at uh, live on Talksport is the big crossover fight, at KSI versus Joe Fournier will react to that and any other big boxing news next week.